Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jamie Dunaway-Seal about how toxic company culture is fueling the great resignation. Jamie Dunaway-Seal, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining me from Dallas, Texas area. I am on the big island in Hawaii for work this week. Uh, So I'm joining you from my kind of strange and and tropical location. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join me and share some insights with me and my audience from a new report out from Clever Real Estate, a real estate data company titled Toxic Company Culture is Fueling the Great Resignation. Now, this combines a few different components that are just my favorite to talk about. Toxicity, company culture, the great resignation, all of those I think are super timely, super important. I love that they're all being brought together and and taking the opportunity to look over the report a little bit. It looks like uh, you're doing some good research. So we're going to unpack this and find out more about what this means for employers and for leaders and how we can do better for our people so we can attract and retain good talent and not constantly have the revolving door and having our good people leave for, you know, what they might think are greener pastures somewhere else. As we get started, I wanted to share Jamie's bio with everybody. Jamie Dunaway Seal is a content writer at Clever Real Estate, the leading real estate education platform for home buyers, sellers, and investors. Prior to joining Clever, Jamie worked full-time as a journalist. Her writings about education, government, business, and sports have appeared in Slate, the Associated Press, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Advocate Media. Jamie graduated with a Master's of Arts in Journalism from the University of Missouri and a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and International Relations from the University of Arkansas. Great background. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share about yourself and or the company before we dive on into the report and unpack it a bit? Real Estate Witch has done a lot of research recently about the 
um, the great resignation and what makes employees unhappy. So I'm really excited that those two coincided. And I think it really gives us a more complete picture of, of what's going on in the workplace. Wonderful. And just on a personal note, I, you know, I note your uh, degree from the University of Missouri, and that's where I'm from and where my family, uh, my parents live. And so that's, I get back there often to visit and uh, Midwest is wonderful. And I love Missouri. So Oh, I'm sure you had a great to, time. Like, talk with another Missourian. <laughs> Feels like home. <laughs> it it does. It does. Well, great. Uh, so as we start to to get into this report, why don't you start by just explaining the methodology a little bit for us? How was the data collected? And then we can start to talk about some of the high level um, findings and key takeaways. So we did a survey of 1,000 full-time employees in February, and we asked them questions about their workplace, about what they're frustrated by, what makes them unhappy, what makes them you know, actually happy. And we um, synthesized this and came up with our results. Pretty simple. Yeah, excellent. 1,000 workers. And what types of jobs, what kind of are the demographics of, of this thousand uh, uh, worker sample? It's all types of professions, you know, everything from uh, retail to, you know, corporate jobs, all, all ranges of employees from the CEO to an entry-level worker. They're from all over the country and um, the demographics are also um, very diverse. We have, you know, white workers, non-white workers, black workers, um, all from all over the country. Excellent. So a, a pretty good snapshot uh, at this point in time of what people are dealing with and what is driving satisfaction and engagement in the workplace or dissatisfaction, disengagement, and people wanting to leave <laughs> and, and going, trying to go somewhere else. And it's interesting during the great resignation, uh, you know, as we've been talking about this, I'm not sure when the term got coined, but I think I started to hear people talking about the great resignation even about a year ago. And then it's just gotten more and more legs and, and people are talking about it all the time. And some people refer to it as the great awakening, or there's kind of these different terminologies, but all of it comes down to the fact that during the pandemic, people have had the opportunity to kind of challenge assumption, assumptions, challenge the status quo, take stock and self-reflect on like what their priorities are, what's most important to them. And after, you know, for many people, after a year or two years of working remotely or in a hybrid environment and having that flexibility and a taste of the, that autonomy and not having the big long commutes and all of that, people have realized that they don't want to go back. They don't want to go back to that lifestyle. Uh, and as they've taken stock and they've looked at how their companies handled the pandemic, some companies handled it very well and were compassionate and empathetic towards their people and very supportive, other companies not so much. And so all of this has added to this, this current situation of people really taking stock and, and leaving in mass. And it's really hard right now for organizations to get good people. I mean, it especially was hard. It was already hard in STEM, in tech, in some of these specialized uh, types of fields. But now we're, we're talking about any job, like fast food, right? Retail, anything. Like it doesn't need to be some high tech, white collar kind of position. Companies are having a hard time finding anyone to fill any job. And, and it's not because there aren't workers, but it's, it's because workers are being more picky, uh, and they 
are really uh, thinking about what matters most to them. And some employers have leaned into the great resignation and tried to accommodate the needs and desires of workers and others are really fighting back and battling and they're trying to trying to go back to pre-pandemic kind of context and pretend like it, it never happened and put the genie back in the bottle. I just don't think that's going to happen. I agree with you. I think that, like you said, people have really uh, become more aware of the advantages of working from home. It's a lot more flexible. You can have greater work-life balance. Um, and employers who try and force people to go back into that very, you know, kind of rigid nine to five, you have to come into the office every day. Like that's not the way that people want to work anymore. And especially with, um, you know, some of like the essential businesses that we saw during the pandemic, like retail, fast food workers, they have been kind of bearing the brunt of some of people's frustrations, um, you know, just with, with the pandemic, with everything going on. And so they particularly find themselves in this toxic workplace environment. So that's, you know, one reason that they quit and that they are being more selective in the job that they find next. Like they're not wanting to go back into that same environment. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I have six listeners. know I have six children, my three oldest daughters, ages 18, 16, 14, they all work in retail and or fast food, um, you know, teenage jobs and, and, and it's great. Um, but it's been super interesting to see just how it's impacted them. And my, my 14 year old daughter in Utah, you can get a worker's permit and work at 14. So she's working, you know, not a lot, but she's working a little bit at the age of 14, saving up money. And, she had a bidding war for her at 14 for different companies. And she was able to drive up her, her wage because of that. And I'm like, my goodness, in what world, you know, pre-pandemic would a 10, would a 14 year old ever have that? Right. And, and that just shows you the state of affairs. Right. And the other day um, it, it was, it was last week. I was going out just to a sandwich place with my wife for lunch. And it was like our favorite sandwich place, a popular place, usually pretty busy. As we pull up to the drive-through, there's a big sign saying, due to staffing shortage, uh, we're closing today at two. <laughs> and it was the weekend. Wow. It was the weekend, like probably their busiest time. And they're not going to be open on a Friday evening, right? That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Like short staffed, like I, you know, we, that's one thing that, you know, we just talked about is you know, people are looking for better working um, conditions, but also like if I'm in an environment that is short staffed, like that means I have to do more work and that's exhausting. Um, you know, that's hard on me. It prevents me from maybe taking a vacation that I need or, you know, want to go on just for my mental health. And so, yeah, I, I would consider leaving too. And that's one of the things we found in um, the report was that quitting was kind of contagious. If someone uh, resigned and were so like connected with some of the employees back at their old job, you know, they would hear about other people leaving, you know, within like six months. Um, and so much of, you know, what makes a company and what makes a positive environment is the people that you work with. So if it's, you know, if people are leaving and it's not quite the same, like I might jump ship too. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my own research, uh, I've looked at these, these uh, issues and relationships at work are consistently one of the important drivers for whether or not someone's satisfied and engaged and feeling fulfilled at work. And you can, it can be a pretty 
kind of gross, toxic company culture. But if your group right around you that you work with every day is really positive and you have good relationship with the, relationships with them, that can mitigate a lot of the, the company issues. Um, but the opposite is also true. It can be an amazing company, great culture, and you have a jerk boss. And guess what? People that work there aren't going to be happy. So, you know, those kind of components um, really add into what we're talking about today. And like you said, the, the contagion, people do start to jump ship um, when they see things going downhill or the good people that are around them that they like working with leave. Uh, and there's usually a reason and people start to recognize, oh, you know, in the last couple of months, these two or three people have left. Where have they gone? What are their opportunities? Maybe I should be looking, right? And all of this process starts to happen. And lo and behold, people start to leave. And then you just find yourself really, really stuck. I found myself in uh, that kind of a situation. So I'm a, I'm a university professor. Uh, I do consulting stuff as well as, you know, things like this podcast. But, you know, I'm a university professor first and foremost, and I'm a department chair. So I have a department admin who helps with a lot of the administrative just kind of nuts and bolts, logistical things of the courses and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. I had someone retire who had been in the position for a while. She retired over the summer. It took me almost six months to find a replacement for her. And like you said, guess what that meant? That meant I was doing my job. I was doing that job. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, you know, it's, it's one thing for like a couple of weeks or a month or maybe a couple of months to try to do that. And after six months, I was feeling so burned out from just doing multiple people's jobs. Um, and I was so thrilled when I finally was able to find somebody to do the position. And, and that person's been working out great. And it's been awesome. Um, but that's, that's the reality, it's to your point earlier, that people are feeling pressured. They're feeling stress and anxiety. They're feeling burned out because they're not just doing their job anymore. They're doing multiple jobs. And they're trying to wrestle with all this other stuff that's going on. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Exactly. It's really tough environment right now. And one of the interesting things that we found in our uh, study is that, you know, employers aren't um, unaware of what's going on, but they are a little bit unwilling to change the environment. I think our statistic was like, um, you know, if, if someone resigns, um, 
you know, there's usually an exit interview and they give feedback, but only 28% of employers are willing to make changes based on that feedback. And so, you know, in that case, the employee just walks. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy. You know, the, the whole idea of an exit interview, I, I guess it's, it's better than nothing to get some feedback as people are leaving, but man, that's too late. You don't want to be getting feedback when, when people are out the door. You want to be getting feedback when they're starting to feel disengaged, when they're starting exactly. to feel like something's up, when, they, when they're starting to look for other jobs. And so, and the only way that can happen is if supervisors, managers, and leaders in the organization are paying attention to their people. And they're having regular conversations and dialogues with their people and trying to understand what they're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can have that kind of a relationship with your people and just be aware of what's going on, then instead of an exit interview, you have stay interviews. You have like, what's it going to, what do we need to do in order to keep you here and engaged and happy? And that is something that will actually help you because then you'll be able to keep your good people. And, and like you said, not only do a lot of companies not even do exit interviews when those uh, company, when companies do exit interviews, most of the time they don't act on anything uh, from it. And so it's, it's a completely worthless kind of uh, uh, an activity. Yeah. And I think by doing those state interviews, it really gives the employee the feeling that their employer cares about them. Um, you know, and that just, <clears throat> that does so much for like, you know, building loyalty to your company and just, you know, creating a positive environment that employer, employees are more, you know, willing to stay in for the long term. In the report, you're, you talk a lot about toxicity and, and that's some of the major findings. Um, you asked uh, people about, you know, really what were the key drivers for them wanting to stay versus leave uh, and some of those sorts of things. Tell us a little bit more about those findings and, and what types of toxicity tend to be most problematic. I think one of the big things um, is how many people are frustrated with their managers. We've, we've touched on this a little bit, but 75% of employees have some sort of frustration and whether that's, you know, unclear communication or, you know, they think their manager is incompetent or their manager is just, you know, cruel and mean, um, you know, that that's huge. Like you interact with your manager on a daily basis, probably you're getting feedback and performance reviews from your manager that might be dependent on if you get a raise or a promotion in the company. So those relationships really should be prioritized and they should, you know, managers should really think about how they're, um, they're interacting and treating with, or treating their employer employees. Absolutely. We need to pay attention to that. And people don't expect their bosses to be perfect. Uh, in my, you know, so, so on the one hand, as you're saying that 75% statistic, I can, I can kind of predict in the minds of some people as they hear that they're like, well, that's just because everyone complains and nobody, you know, everyone grumbles about their boss. Everyone grumbles about work. I'm like, yeah, well, that's true to an extent. And people like to kind of um, get together with coworkers and, and kind of complain about stuff at work. That's a thing, right? But I, I think we're talking about something a bit different here. Um, while people tend to like to be able to vent about work a little bit, people are also, um, they tend to be fairly forgiving of, of things that aren't perfect. Like nobody expects perfection. They understand that your you know, supervisor or a boss, they're dealing with stuff too, and it's hectic and, and everything. Um, so when I hear a number like that, instead of just assuming, well, it's just because everyone's complaining. Uh, no, I, I think it really is because 
Um, there are so many instances where people just feel unvalued, unappreciated. And it's not just a matter of someone, you know, maybe not communicating quite as well as they should have, um, though that certainly is a driver, but it, it's, it's the toxic behaviors. It's, it's the jerk behaviors. It's when, you know, you just can't, you get up in the morning, you're like, oh, I can't believe I have to go to work today with this person. And you're like walking on eggshells, worried about, the, you know, they're going to embarrass you in front of your coworkers. They're going to scream at you, whatever, all these bully behaviors. Um, there are so many of them and they're pervasive. Uh, so many leaders don't really know how to lead. And, and it's not necessarily even intentional, but they find themselves in difficult situations. And then they end up taking it out on their people and they end up being jerks, even unintentionally. And those types of situations that creates that toxicity where it's just unsafe. It's psychologically an unsafe environment where people feel like uh, they're walking on eggshells and they, they're not free. They don't have the autonomy or the freedom to be able to try and experiment and, and to do new things. And when you're in that kind of an environment, uh, it, it's, it, it sucks all kinds of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment out of the work that you do. Even if you love your job and you love the work that you do, that kind of an environment just sucks it out of you. And then you're just fearful about, you know, or am I going to be able to keep my job? Am I going to get reprimanded? Uh, am I going to get in trouble if this one thing I'm trying doesn't quite work out? Um, and, and then, yeah, lo and behold, there's only so long you're going to be willing to put up with that. One of two things tends to happen. You either get fed up and you start looking for another job and you leave, or you tend to psychologically withdraw and, and you stay in the job, but you just disengage. And you're like, I'm just going to put my head down. I'm just going to stay below the radar, kind of just do my thing, do the bare minimum and get out of here at the end of the day. Both of those outcomes are really bad for organizations. We don't want either of those. We want to keep people actively engaged and, and uh, productive and innovating in their positions. That can only happen in an environment of psychological safety and psychological safety does not exist when you have toxicity and, and a jerk boss. It, it's just the way it works, right? Exactly. And I think that that's another reason why employees want to work from home. You know, there are all these great advantages and one of them is like getting away from your boss and this toxic environment or maybe toxic um, coworkers, you know, you can be you know, a little bit more isolated in an environment that you are more in control of and that you maybe feel a little bit more safe. So from the report, what are some of those kind of, based on these toxicity findings and the culture issues that, that we've been talking about, what are some of the specific things, tangible, actionable things that leaders listening today can take away from this research and start doing to make a difference in their teams and their organizations? Right. It's not just about uh, higher pay and better benefits, although those, those are still really important, you know. Um, so you need to have a living wage and you need to give your employees um, adequate PTO. Um, you know, that's going to make them feel value. Value. Those are huge things um, for employees when they're looking for a job or deciding whether or not to leave. But if you have a very generous PTO policy, but you're not encouraging your employee employees to take that, you know, it doesn't do any good. They're still going to get burnt out. Um, so employers really need to create an environment where they encourage employees to take their PTO for their mental health reasons, for rest, to boost their creativity when they come back. 
Um, that's something that's really important. They also need to, you know, just, it's super simple, but just be kind to their employees. It's, I feel like you shouldn't have to tell people to do that, but um, you do. And I know that work can get really stressful sometimes, um, but that's not necessarily an excuse to take it out you know, on your employees, don't harass them, don't bully them. These are super simple things um, that is, you know, people are very capable of doing. Um, you also want to create an environment um, where everyone feels um, welcome. So like, just think about your hiring practices and your promotion practices and make sure that, you know, you're not operating with some like implicit bias um, so that, you know, women and minorities feel that they have an equal shot. Yeah. Yeah. So many good things that you just mentioned there. And it, it isn't rocket science. It really comes down to basic just be good to each other, be kind, treat people with dignity and respect. Don't be a jerk. You know, that's like with my kids, like I'm sure I'm not a perfect parent and there's things I mess up all the time. My one goal with my kids is to help them grow into productive adults that aren't jerks. <laughs> and I feel like if I can do that, I've been pretty successful as a parent. <laughs> and, yeah. and honestly, in the workplace, I think it's the same. Like it's not, it's not super complicated. Be kind to people, treat them with dignity and respect. Don't be a jerk. Uh, and, and then go from there. And then, you know, there's other things you can do to be supportive and, and, and proactively, you know, help people and, and such. There's a lot of good things to do, but start with the basics, build the foundation that will help you to establish mutual accountability and trust with your people, which will then feed into everything else uh, and create that psychologically safe, positive environment instead of that toxic culture, that toxic environment that's going to drive people away. Mm -hmm. Well, J Jamie, it has been a pleasure. I note the time and I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Um, but before we wrap up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. So if anyone wants to uh, reach out, they can email me, jamie.seal at movewithclever.com. I'm also on Twitter at Jamie Seal. Um, definitely welcome any comments or suggestions, um, any good study ideas. We're always on the lookout for those. Um, just, it's been really interesting working on this topic. Um, you know, I was one of the great resigners who uh, moved jobs in the past year. And, you know, I just personally related to a lot of the stuff that um, we were seeing in our studies. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have really gone on to find better jobs, um, better working conditions, better environments. And it's, you know, it's, it's worth it if you're thinking about it. Um, you know, you have to evaluate your own finances, but your mental health is totally worth it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jamie and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. 
what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.